What's up, friends? Before we get started, I want to tell you about The Green Solution. The Green Solution has 17 Colorado locations and express checkout to get you in and out as fast as possible. Get on your phone right now. Go to their website, mygreensolution.com. Order your flour, concentrates, edibles, and topicals online and head to the closest Green Solution for pickup. Use code DNVR20 for 20% off your entire purchase. Now time for the show. Broncos country is Sitting in the south stands Drinking the curves from mile high The best part of the weekend Hugging the perfect stranger As they become a friend Having a good time when the orange and blue W-I-N Tuning in every day with the good folks down at DNVR Hey everybody, welcome to the DNVR Broncos podcast presented by Strava Craft Coffee. Before we jump into the show... I want to tell you about this really awesome deal for DNVR listeners. This is CBD-infused coffee, and it not only tastes incredible, but it can relieve everyday aches and pains, anxiety, migraines, and so much more. As Strava says, drink deeply, live fully. As Strava says, drink deeply, live fully. Use code DNVR20 to receive 20% off. And we're here. It's a rogue show. Yep. We are in L.A., Lower Alabama. It's Senior Bowl week. I'm Andrew Mason, of course, joined by the esteemed draft and film guru of VDMVR.com, Andre Simone. It's our first podcast together. Let's make it count. Yeah, man. I'm excited. This is this is great. We had a great trip here, and we got to talk to some prospects, got to talk to some other people. We're amped up for the first day tomorrow. Yes, the first day. The players weigh in. Of course, it starts Tuesday morning with... All of the players in what is one of the most bizarre exercises oh my God. on the NFL calendar, maybe the most bizarre, I would say, is when all the prospects get up on stage in nothing but tight underwear, Yeah, and they are weighed, measured for height, they get their arm length, they get their hand size. The whole thing is bizarre. Yeah, to say, like I said, to, to, say, the to least. say the least. Set the scene. This is in a massive auditorium in front of hundreds of scouts and media members. Yes. So if that wasn't, if what you initially described wasn't awkward enough, now imagine the setting it's in. Ima- imagine that you're in a huge convention center room, high ceiling, and you're standing up there in your underwear. It's like a nightmare come to life. Uh, yeah, truly. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> I mean, there's yeah. that whole nightmare about uh, that some people have about being naked, right? Right. Like the old, if you've ever seen Bull Durham, you have Nuke Lelouch, the uh, hot, young, fireballing picture who has the nightmare about being out on the mound in only ladies' underwear <laughs> and a baseball cap trying to pitch. It's not quite like that, but it's still somewhat uncomfortable yeah. and the interesting thing is that you look around and you see plenty of notes being made and a lot of those notes it's not simply that they're writing down the height and weight because you can get that anywhere right but they're writing about body type they're yeah. trying to figure out okay can this guy handle more weight is he carrying too much weight right is there 
is it is it a muscular three hundred pounds or is there a lot of jiggle? Yeah, there? yeah, totally. This is you're being scrutinized <laughs> yeah. if you're a player to within an inch of your life. Yeah. Ugh, man. Yeah, it's wild. Did we mention it's really early in the morning before these players get poked and prodded by media members and then have to practice? Oh yes, and <laughs> Tuesday is the day that they have it's the way in. Then they have media day. Each team will meet the media for about an hour. That's kind of a big thing for us, obviously. We'll mm-hmm. certainly talk to uh, some key prospects, including uh, those representing the state of Colorado and Wyoming as well. Most prominent, of course, being Steven Montez, one of six quarterbacks who is yeah. down here yeah. uh, from CU. He'll be playing for the, he'll be playing for the North team, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, that sounds North correct. and South kind of. Goes out yeah, the window. The geography gets mixed. The <laughs> only thing that they they're consistent on is that Alabama, Auburn, Mississippi, Mississippi State, and Florida, Florida State players tend to play on the South team and Georgia as well. But everything else is subject to some moving around. Right. We've seen Hawaii. Think about that. You cannot go any <laughs> farther south in the fifty states than Hawaii. And I have seen Hawaii players on the North team. Yeah, I remember. Wasn't that the Broncos coach team that had quarterbacks such as Luke Falk from Washington State, Mm. Wyoming, still North, and Oklahoma? Baker Mayfield. Yeah. (laughs) It's north of Texas. That's true. Yeah, (laughs) that's right. It's all a matter of perspective is what you're saying. Yeah, the whole thing is to try to get balanced rosters. and right. And really, the reason why I mentioned those schools that are always on the South team, it's because when they have the game itself on Saturday, they want to have some local identification. Being here in Mobile, Alabama, of course, fans will generally cheer for the South team. Right. And so they want to kind of create that. In that regard, they're hoping Jalen Hurts, the former Alabama mm-hmm. quarterback who got Wally pipped by Tua Tagovailoa and eventually went on to Oklahoma – as a transfer this past season, they're hoping Jalen Hurts can move some tickets. And one of the more notable moments on this kind of warm-up day for mm-hmm. Senior Bowl week was Jalen Hurts at a press conference late Monday afternoon being handed a custom-made yeah. Rydell helmet that had the Oklahoma logo on one side and then his jersey number at Alabama because, of course, they don't have a helmet logo. They just right. use numbers. And his number two on the other side. Pretty that was cool. Pretty cool. The Jim Nagy, our se- the director of the Senior Bowl, seemed to have surprised him kind of at the podium with that. Well, I it, don't think Jalen was expecting that. No, and I think I think Jalen is proud of his time at Alabama, but I think he identifies more as an Oklahoma quarterback at this point. Hey, but he, uh, he I think he understands what's going on here and how he's being used to – Try to move some tickets, and that's actually something that's been an issue for the Senior Bowl. Now, we were discussing this tonight at dinner. A few of us uh, locals from Denver got together, and we'll be getting together for dinner every night this week. The Senior Bowl has never been more prominent as an event on the NFL draft calendar. As the draft has exploded, so too has the Senior Bowl. The, The media here... They had to move the media obligations Monday into a larger ballroom than what they used last year because it just got so crowded. You see more people down here covering this every year. Yeah, Some teams have their coaching staffs, their full coaching staffs, Mm -hmm. or at least part of them, 
Everybody's got their scouting staff here, the Broncos, and every other team will be doing interviews, trying to get player interviews out of the way so they don't have to do it at the Combine. So it has never been a more important it has never been more important than it is right now in terms of what it means to teams. When Joe Burrow of LSU, Heisman Trophy winner, national champion, said, I'm not playing in the Senior Bowl, it was actually the top story in NFL Total Access that night. Which is not, crazy. Not the championship games that were following the next day. It was Joe Burrow announcing he wasn't coming here. So it has become a big deal. Mm-hmm. And yet, in terms of in-person attendance, the game itself, it's never been less relevant. It's fascinating how it's so relevant in terms of what it means in the draft community, but as far as getting people in the stadium to actually watch the game on Saturday, they've been struggling with attendance problems here the last few years. Yeah, which is kind of sad because I've really grown fond of Mobile, and we'd love to see this event stay here, but stuff like that could certainly impact that. Yeah, and there there are probably some changes coming to the game. We're going to get into the yeah. Broncos here in a little bit, but there are probably some changes coming when Jim Nagy of the Senior Bowl was asked about uh, this potentially being the last game at Lad People Stadium where it has been held yeah. for decades. He didn't answer that. He sidestepped it and said, hey, we're focused on this game and that's it, nothing beyond that. But on the other side of town, the University of South Alabama is constructing, I believe, a 25,000-seat stadium. Yeah. Every indication is that the local bowl game that has been under many names is going to move there, and it seems like there's a decent chance that the Senior Bowl will follow suit, which is going to change the routine for media and NFL people. And I can tell you from being around the NFL for a long time, football people do not like changes in routine. There will be some adjustment involved. Yeah, hopefully not. Well, hopefully they'll keep it here in Mobile. It's yes. a it's a good host. This is my 14th time being down here. Congrats. I've enjoyed every game, and I was just thinking, even coming to this hotel we're staying at, I've stayed here before, and I remembered how I got in here in time to watch the 2010 NFC Championship game before covering the events of Senior Bowl week uh, that year in January 2011. That was the championship game where Jay Cutler had the knee problem and Caleb Haney of Colorado State had to come in for the Bears. (laughs) And the Packers end up winning and going to uh, the Super Bowl for the only time in the Aaron Rodgers era. And I remember watching that game right here in this hotel. Pretty crazy to think that that's what it took for Rodgers to make that Super Bowl. Yeah. Although, in all fairness... Also kind of crazy to think Cutler yeah. was an injury away from... Right. And in all fairness, the Packers had a two-score lead even with Cutler on the field. Yeah. Yeah. So... Yeah. Right. Right. Somehow that came up. That's like the second time that game has come up now in the last in the last few weeks. Few weeks. So, anyway, we heard from Jalen Hurts of yep. Oklahoma. We heard from Javon Kinlaw, mm-hmm. defensive lineman from South Carolina. Jalen Hurts, not a lot to be said, and not really that relevant for the Broncos with Drew Locke playing well. I think they're out of the early round conversation for quarterbacks. If Jalen Hurts drops into round four, round five, it's possible you could be talking about him to bring in another quarterback to bolster the room and uh, give you uh, another backup possibility. Uh, But Javon Kinlaw, beyond Justin Herbert, Kinlaw could be the first player off the board. Yeah down here that isn't a quarterback, six foot six, three hundred pounds, force of nature. Not the best statistically, and he acknowledged that when he yeah. met the media, but I you love watch that. but you also look at how many double teams he draws. 
a lot of what everyone else in the front seven yeah. did was because of the disruptive force yeah. that he was. Yeah. So let's kind of envision things out a little bit for Javon Kinlaw and the potential of him being in Denver because yeah. 15 would be kind of right in the wheelhouse of where he could be available. And maybe the Broncos get lucky and Jordan Love of Utah State comes out here and balls out. Right. Maybe Jake Fromm at the Combine impresses somebody more than you expect out of Georgia. Any team that's going to take a quarterback in those first 14 picks mm -hmm. helps the Broncos and helps their chances of getting the best possible player there. Right. Now, with Kinlaw, he plays a position that could be in need. Mm -hmm. It's going to depend on what the Broncos do in free agency, yeah. whether they re-sign Derek Wolf or Shelby Harris. They could re-sign Adam Gatsis, but I don't think that factors in there. Gatsis, right. I think you look at as a depth piece only. Right, regardless of what where Gatsis is, that doesn't impact your decision at 15. It I think should. we're on the same page with that. But the question is, with the offensive lineman that could be on the board, yeah. and whether you've addressed that position or not in free agency, with the wide receivers mm -hmm. that could be there, and I, you're definitely looking at the draft for this vertical speed wide receiver because yeah. there are plenty of guys there, even into round two. Maybe you've addressed cornerback. Maybe you haven't by that point. Right. So Javon Kinlaw, he could be a good fit schematically for what the Broncos mm -hmm. want to do and want to get out of that three-technique defensive end. Could it be that Akeem Hicks in the Vic Fangio defense? Maybe, but the question that is, kind of upside. can they afford to pick yes. him if they still have other needs in front of them? Yeah, I mean, it's a tough... It's a, The opportunity cost of it would be massive. Mm -hmm. Passing on a top wide receiver, passing on a top offensive tackle could come back to bite you because those are such major needs in rebuilding this offense and finally getting the attack ticking at an above-average level, even at an NFL average level. Those are the strengths of this draft, and that's not just in high-end talent, but it's in depth as well. So maybe that depth at offensive tackle, at wide receiver, could give you the opportunity to say, you know what, we have four picks coming up in day two. We can take this pick use it on the def defense, and then really attack offense in the second round. I wouldn't advise it. We'll see. I mean, some of these offensive tackles and wide receivers rising this week could really help mm -hmm. strengthen those classes even more so, and then you might feel even more comfortable mm -hmm. passing on a wide receiver offensive tackle round one. Maybe not advisable, but I've seen crazier things, and I could see Fanjo and Elway talking themselves into a front that's anchored by Kinlaw with Vaughn and Chubb outside and someone like Draymond and his pass rushing ability. I mean, if you're trying to stop the Chiefs anytime soon, uh, having a strong front four like that could just be the recipe. Well, it's interior pass rush, and it's something the Broncos improved at this past year, but if you let Derek Wolf and Shelby Harris go, a lot of what made that interior pass rush work is going out the window. Oh, yeah. Then you are counting on Draymond Jones taking the next step. There's confidence at Broncos HQ that Draymond Jones can be a quality starter. As there should be. I think they saw enough down the stretch to where they feel like they can put him in Sharpie yeah. in that starting lineup for 2020. Yeah. But then there's still that other spot. Now, 
the thing with with Kinlaw, you may have to kind of evaluate him versus other positions of need and players right. there. Like right. for example, I'll just yeah throw do out a couple scenarios. Rather, okay, yeah. all right. Let's say you're sitting at fifteen, mm-hmm. and Tristan Wirfs and Jedrick Wills and Javon Kinlaw are all on the board. Oof. So we're talking about t- two tackles, two potential top 15 mm-hmm. tackles. I'm going to say that Andrew Thomas is off the board. I think that's a fair assumption. I think he'll be long gone. Yes, agreed. But Jedrick Wills from Alabama, yeah. Tristan Wirfs from Iowa, they're both tackles, so mm-hmm. there may not be an immediate starting spot for them. No. And that's the other thing to consider yeah. because with tackles – you're planning on going into 2020 with Garrett Bowles on the left side, and I know this may make people cringe. Yeah, but Jawan James on the right side. Yeah, I mean, so are you taking a tackle, one of those tack, offensive tackles, or are you thinking about Javon Kinlaw? I would definitely take him ahead of Wills. Okay, Wirfs would be tough. Wirfs is like barely barely 20 years old. He's so young. This year, because of injuries, he had to place him on the left side as well as the right side. Uh, he did that just seamlessly. He's surprisingly uh, he, mature for a 20-year-old. He sure is. Mature beyond his years. Of course, we can say the same thing for Javon Kinlaw, hearing from him today. Yeah, that's true. Um, and by the time you hear this, uh, you'll have also had the opportunity to read yes. Andrew Mason's outstanding piece on Kinlaw, who just an incredible story. I mean, how could you not root for the guy? I tell you, the worst just has that rare measurables and athleticism and upside as a pass protector that would be hard for me to pass up so that's even though he may not be starting year one because of what you have at tackle i almost think that's better for him i would rather develop him maybe have him play some games at guard as a rookie if you know injuries force him there but develop him for a year, and then when he's 21 and Bulls is a free agent, plug him in at left tackle. You've got a year of seasoning in Pat Shermer's offense, and I think that might be a much more efficient way of maximizing his talent and maximizing your resources. Okay, let's talk about wide receiver now. Yeah. Let's assume that Jerry Judy and yep. CeeDee Lamb are off the board. Yes. But T. Higgins <sighs> and Henry Ruggs, are sitting there at 15, and you also have Javon Kinlaw on the board? Uh, slightly tougher call. Because while I really like Ruggs, he's just barely ranked ahead of Kinlaw on my board. He's 12th, and Kinlaw is 14th. Trust so the board. Both good value. You trust the board. At the same time... Is Ruggs more valuable because he's a decoy due to that speed and the space he opens up for others? Because if that's the case, I can find a guy who's going to open up space because of his speed in day two. And their Kinlaw does become a little more intriguing. At the same time, I'm trusting the board. I'm taking Ruggs. I wouldn't take T. Higgins, though. I'll say that. (laughs) Well, the thing with T. Higgins, I put him there because it's worth discussing him. Mm -hmm. In that mid-teens range. Yeah. The problem with T. Higgins is I feel like you already have something close to that skill set in Cortland Sutton. Exactly. Wow. It's not like T. Higgins can't be a good player for the Broncos if they draft him. It's just that, (coughs) pardon me, you need a vertical speed threat more than somebody who's a a bigger body type. Right. 
a, a, a tall, lanky guy. Jerry Judy, he's six one one ninety two. He's kind yeah. of he's the unicorn. If Jerry Judy is there, then yeah, everything else is off the table. But he's almost certainly not going to be there. At 15. you don't think, huh? I, he's the With most the wide receiver depth. That's, yeah, but he's the most complete guy. You think, huh? His quickness is, I mean, that it's not just the speed. He's yeah. not just a straight line guy. His quickness to just wiggle free of DBs is insane. If Ruggs and Judy are there at the same time, I'm taking Judy. Yeah, same. No question. Same, same, same. Even though he may not have as much straight line speed mm-hmm. as Henry Ruggs, he's got enough. Yeah. He's oh, got yeah. what you would need. You're, yeah. you're, not, you're not scrimping there in any right. way, shape, or form. Right, yeah. With, with Ruggs, you kind of are able to round out the wide receiver core, and it can start to look a little more like the Thielen-Diggs type of duo that Shermer had in his best season as an OC in Minnesota. Okay, okay so let's talk about another position of expected need, and that's cornerback. Yeah. Is there any cornerback who could be there other than Jeff Okuda that you would take ahead of Javon Kinlaw? Nope. Not I'm, even I'm right thought. there with you. Yeah. Because I, I don't see Christian Fulton of LSU being the guy. No. He just doesn't tackle Not a fit. at the level mm-hmm. that Vic Fangio wants. I'd rather see if Trayvon Diggs of Alabama is there in round two. Yeah. Oh, I love Diggs. And if he's there, I would jump on him. Yeah. And I would even consider the trade back into round one. That's one of those mm-hmm. guys I'd be looking at for a trade back up into round one. I'd look at him. I'd look at my guy, Tyler Biotish, the center right. of Wisconsin, although you might be, let's see how he ends up falling on the board. He yeah. might just be there in round two right. anyway. But in either case, you're talking about immediate starters, and that's the only thing that you should be considering right now Yeah, in fair. terms of guys. Now, that's why the, the worst discussion is so interesting. You think he could be, be guard in the short term for a year? In the short term, yeah, I think okay. he could do it. What about his skill set do you think translates to guard? Well, I mean, it, clearly what he has is better suited at tackle. Yes. But I think he has he can play with enough leverage and power and he's a good enough mover where he can make it work at guard. Okay. That's not why I'm drafting him though, right? Yeah, you're drafting him to be starting at left tackle or right tackle in 2021. Right, exactly. But it's also possible that if they say we're going to ride Jawan James and Garrett Bowles, even if Tristan Wirfs happened to be there at 15 that they could Kick the can down oh, the road a little bit. I know. But isn't that so short-sighted? I mean, <laughs> I mean, are we already all in on the playoffs in 2020 where we're not trying to... I'm already to, uh, saying they're going to be a playoff team. ...address needs, reg- <laughs> you know, long-term but, needs. But part of being a playoff team means you have to find guys that can help you right away. Yeah, right, right. And that would actually be something to get to the bottom of with Tristan Wirfs at the Combine to see is he willing to move inside... Yeah. If need be. It's something yeah. he hasn't done. And the other thing also, because the interior is more of a pressing need for 2020, mm-hmm. based on what the Broncos may or may not do in free agency, and you can find immediate starters on the interior in round three. I mean, mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. I talk about Tyler Biotish. You know, Lloyd Cushenberry oh, yeah. could could go as as early as late round one. Could be somebody you're talking about still on the board at the start of round three. Yep, absolutely. There's a wide range for him to go. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and, and he have, would step in and be an immediate starter. Right. Nick Harris of Washington's very intriguing in mm-hmm. that day two range as well. I mean, it's it's a decent interior offensive line class. We'll we'll have some good ones here. I, I'm really excited to see Matt Hennessy of Temple as well. He's he's got a chance to rise. Heard good things, yeah. And that's the thing about Wills. I I project Wills maybe more as an interior guy right now. Before we move on to the comments and questions from the listeners. We're going to try to peer into the crystal ball a little bit. And let's each choose five players that we expect to improve their stock. Yeah. That could be the biggest risers down here. Five guys. We're going to call our shots today. We're going to recap it at the end of the week. Love it. See who's right, who's wrong. Yeah. All right. Care to start? I would love to start okay. with my first pick of the poten- <laughs> the biggest riser from Senior Bowl week. I'm going with Denzel Mims, Ooh. the big wide receiver from Baylor. Few have made more impressive acrobatic catches than this kid uh, for the Baylor Bears, who, of course, had an outstanding season. He's got size. He's got deceptive long speed not a quick twitch athlete. So maybe not what the Broncos want, but I think this kid's going to be really impressive in one-on-ones. In a deep wide receiver class, he's kind of a forgotten man. Even in this group of wide receivers, he's kind of a forgotten man. I think he'll do he'll do wonders for his stock. I'm going to start at the same position, and usually receivers do show pretty well here. It's sort of the nature of the game, but also this year's receiver class is just it's awesome. oozing talent. And it's a guy that... I've watched a few times, and I'm intrigued by he doesn't fit what the Broncos are looking for skill set-wise, but he's got a chance to to play his way up, and that's Antonio Gandy-Golden from Mm. Liberty University, 6'4", 220 pounds, 17.7 yards per catch this past year. The interesting thing is that he appears to have the size to make plays in traffic, but you don't see him doing it that often. Of course, Liberty is an independent. They've had a handful of games against Power 5 schools over the years as they made their transition from FCS to FBS, Mm -hmm. but still, uh, those opportunities uh, kind of restricted. This year, he had a 6-catch, 60-yard, one-touchdown game against Virginia, he had a buck 19 on six catches against Syracuse to open the season yeah. and also uh, a touchdown against Rutgers. But, I mean, Rutgers is not – they're power five <laughs> in name only. Hey, they're hey. terrible. So relatively few chances for him to kind of show himself. His biggest games this past year were against Buffalo, Hampton, right. New Mexico, and BYU. He's got something to prove if he comes down here against a pretty good quarterback crop and does well. He can play his way into the back end of round one. Whoa. In this wide receiver class. Like late in round. Wow. That size. And if he sh- if he has good time speed at the combine as well, and he does well this week, he's the kind of guy that could go yeah. 30 to 32. I think he settles as a second rounder mm. when all is said and done. But he's one that I think has an opportunity to really make himself a lot of money this week. Yeah, that'd be a huge rise. Yeah. I I do not have him ranked that high. I'm really excited to see him. There's a lot of buzz about him. Okay. I'll take Prince Tega Wanogu. Okay, good choice. The offensive tackle from Auburn. 
now I'm remembering, I think we walked past when we were going back through the... We did. Yeah. Um, He's impossible to miss. He's six foot seven. Yeah, well, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> there are a few big boys there, here. There are some six, yeah. seven tackles here. Yeah. I'm actually going to get to one here in a minute. Uh, I mean, the, the sky's the limit for uh, Prince. I think in a setting like this, he'll show he's a class above the rest. Not always the easiest. Just like for cornerbacks, it's not always the easiest setting to shine. It, it is more so for receivers. Same goes for offensive tackles. But if you hold your own, you're going to make yourself a lot of money. In a loaded tackle class, I think he could he could fit into the end of round one. Right there, step for step, stride for stride, is Josh Jones out of Houston. Six, mm-hmm. Another six foot seven, 310-pounder, and went back... While I was writing my story about Javon Kinlaw, I watched a little more uh, film of Josh Jones at Houston this past year, comparing it to what I saw from him in 2008 and 2018. I remember watching him uh, in some American Conference play. Of course, I watched a little bit more of that conference than most because I went to USF and they're in it. And the strides that he took technically as a senior were extremely impressive. As Houston backslid overall, mm-hmm. he kind of ran counter to everything that was going on down there this past year. Outstanding season. You Now, of course, you're going to have to kind of work with him on being in a three-point stance mm-hmm. as he gets to the next level, and I think that's yeah. sort of where a bumpy transition might come for him, but yeah. athletically has all the tools. Yeah, he's a good one. He's someone uh, Jim Nagy spoke of highly. I watched a little tape before we went to those pressers. Mm-hmm. I was actually watching tape to study uh, Brian Edwards, the South Carolina wide receiver. Very intriguing prospect. But I watched him against App State because there's this linebacker from App State here. Mm -hmm. And boy, am I becoming a fan of Akeem Davis Gaither, athletic linebacker. Only 215 pounds, but he moves. He's rangy. He'd fit what the Broncos could use at linebacker. A little more range and coverage. Just what just what the doctor ordered for Vic Fangio. But anyways, I could see himself doing wonders for his stock in this setting. So let's talk about another 235-pound coverage linebacker. Let's talk about Zach Bond from Wisconsin, who's a good pass rusher, but also had a lot of responsibilities in coverage yes. and was very good mm-hmm. in coverage. It's the 235, you say, okay, can he handle a little more weight? Right. I'm not sure I want him to get bigger because I like I the speed mm-hmm. at which he plays right now. And I could look I look at Zach Bond as somebody that can step right in immediately and neutralize tight ends and running backs in coverage. And if you ask him to have a traditional edge roll, yeah. can get to the passer so he can provide you depth on the edge right away. You can maybe have the option of moving him inside as well mm-hmm. in the three four. Very versatile. You could all you know, he doesn't have, say, the length of yeah. a Justin Hollins, but he's much stronger in coverage right now than Justin Hollins is. And he could be a fit for something the Broncos don't really have at this point and may not be able to address in free agency. I th- if they can get Joe Schobert, mm-hmm. I think maybe you're not looking at Zach Bond, but uh, right now looking for somebody who can provide some versatile depth, Bond could be a good fit. Yeah, that's great. I really like Bond, and I, I love how well-rounded his skills are. I'm going to stick with linebackers. I'm going to say Troy Dye, one of my favorite Ooh, guys okay. in this class, inside linebacker for Oregon. Kind of Oregon guy, be two Oregon guys in a row. Yeah, in yeah. consecutive years with Justin Hollins. Yeah, that's true. Um, 
Very good sideline to sideline, kind of one of the the key players for a phenomenal Ducks defense this season. And I think he's got enough range to really uh, do the trick as well. I think he'll impress here. All right, let's go back to the offensive side for my next pick. I got to go with one of the more underrated receiving running backs here, and he's bigger and that's Antonio Gibson out of the University of Memphis. Of course, Memphis producing some good running backs uh, in recent drafts. Gibson, though, 19.3 yards per catch. He (laughs) breaks tackles in space, 220 pounds, awfully hard to bring down. When I watch Antonio Gibson, I think this is what the Broncos hoped Royce Freeman could be and hasn't been. Oh, he kind of feels perfect because he's he came in listed as a wide receiver. Now he's listed as a running back. That hybrid position, that's what the NFL wants He's a nowadays. chess piece, oh, this guy. Gotta love it. He's a mismatch right. nightmare. I mean, what do you do? I mean, you can yeah. split him out, and okay, at his size, I mean, maybe you draw a linebacker out of the box. Oh, right. If you put a right. cornerback on him, he's going to be a physical mismatch right. against almost any corner he goes against. So you probably have to use a linebacker. Maybe you have to shade a safety over if you split him out there. The possibilities are yeah. limitless for what he can bring to your passing game as a chess piece type of weapon. And the confusion he, he would give to opposing defenses who need to treat. Do we treat him as a running back? Is this 11 personnel? Is this four wide? Are we treating him like a wide receiver? Mm-hmm. You know, do we want to play in sub? Do we want to put a linebacker on him? How do we treat him? That kind of confusion. That's the kind of stuff that made T- Taysom Hill, for example, so tough because teams don't know. How do I treat him? Do I treat him as a running back, a receiver, a tight end, a quarterback? And we know, of course, that Pat Shermer has a fondness for three wide sets, but he also has a fondness for moving those pieces around like take Evan Engram for example sometimes you see him inside sometimes you see him split out he likes to change the formations without changing personnel and so you're looking for versatile players who can go in any number of spots Gibson kind of fits the bill and of course we saw what Saquon Barkley could do as a receiving back in that Giants offense the last couple of years as well well, way to get me really excited about that kid now. Um, <laughs> congrats! I can't, to you. I can't wait to see him out here. I hope he balls out. Boy, the low hanging fruit would be a quarterback, but I'm not going with the low hanging fruit. My final, because I'm down, th- I'm, I'm at my fifth. Courtney Davis, okay, speedy wide receiver, Texas A&M. Production was okay, not great though. Lots of mouths to feed. Kellen Mond wasn't a good enough quarterback to feed all those mouths. I could see him having somewhat of a Terry McLaurin, DJ Chark type of rise up the board here in Mobile. Both those guys really just their their stocks took off. Uh, both, well, both big school guys like him. Um, and he's got that speed element that this offense could really utilize. So I think a name to keep in mind for the Broncos as well. But he's kind of my favorite underrated speedy wide receiver after Brandon Ayuk of Arizona State. Well, I've given a lot of thought to this last mm. piece, and I'm I'm not choosing either of these two guys that I'm going to name first, but I've got my eye on Anthony Gordon, the quarterback out of Washington State. I mean, I yeah. think everyone's been watching Jordan Love, and he's got the most to gain because he could make himself a first-rounder. Anthony oh, Gordon, yeah. however, a good week here. He could ride the coattails of Gardner Minshew coming out of Mike Leach's air raid. And if he plays well, 
he's got a chance to maybe be a third or fourth round pick based on what he does here. Yeah. Again, because now everyone's going to take a different look at Gordon through the prism of Mingshu coming in after only one season in the air raid and looking so good. Mm-hmm. Devin Duvernay, another guy who I think is going to have an outstanding week, and he, in terms of being a potential slot, having some vertical speed, yeah. if the Broncos wait until the third round for a wide receiver, he's someone who could be a perfect fit. Yeah. But this is more talking about a Bronco need, Okay. and everyone's going to chuckle at this. It's punter. It's the 2018 (laughs) Ray Guy Award winner, Braden Mann out of Texas A&M. And I know I kind of say, hey, you got to get one of those Australians. He's not an (laughs) Australian. But nevertheless, Braden Mann can absolutely blast the football. Probably the best punter overall in this year's class. 47.1 yard average this past season. 51 yard average in 2018 those were his two seasons as texas a&m's mm-hmm. full-time punter AM, of course has made right. a tradition of developing great kickers and punters and one thing to consider also last year he had a huge gross average but he also had 18 percent of his punts go for touchbacks which is not something you necessarily want to see well this year he had only four of his 57 punts go for touchback. So he cut that wow. touchback percentage down by more than wow. half, improved his placement. That's what that shows you. And look, Colby Wadman, he's had his moments, yeah. but the consistency <laughs> isn't there. And the other thing with Colby Wadman, you know, it just the sound of the ball off his foot, it doesn't thwack with a lot of power. Braden Mann can blast the football. Well, I mean, I'm I tip my cap. I'm not worthy. You got me excited about a punter. What's next? I mean, come on. Well, unless the Broncos suddenly become one of the most explosive offenses in football, they're in 2020. And I think they they can be a playoff team. Mm -hmm. I've called my shot on that already. Yeah. But they're going to have to win some games at the margins. Yeah. Win some games with punting, for example. Yeah. Braden Mann could fit and don't forget when you're sitting on potentially 12 picks based on how the compensatory selections are divvied up right this gives you the ability to take a punter on yep. day three yeah something usually i never approve of but with the 12 picks oh, i don't agree i don't approve of it in the second round or even the third round i approve of punter in the fifth round yeah yeah michael dixon's done all right as a fifth round punter yeah, I mean, even then it's a little high for me, but yeah, if you get Michael <laughs> Dixon, I'm cool with it. <laughs> well, hopefully he, Braden Mann can be on the level of Michael Dixon if he becomes a Denver Bronco. That's right. It's time to take a second and acknowledge Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. Breckenridge is the original Colorado beer established in 1990 in Breckenridge, Colorado. You've probably heard of their delicious vanilla porter, their oatmeal stout, and most people's personal favorite, the world-famous Avalanche, which is their classic American amber ale. But this past year, they released Strawberry Sky, a beer that mm. you guys are going to love and I love because yeah. I love you got the fruit infused in the beer. I like my beer with a little fruit. I love Strawberry Sky. For you beer enthusiasts out there, they're calling this a lighthearted Kolsch ale. But for those of you who had no idea what that means, this that is a light, delicious 
beer that you've been looking for. So look for Strawberry Sky at your local liquor store or any other Breckenridge beer. And make sure you also look out for the Breckenridge event calendar on the on DNVR.com. You'll be able to see all the events we have planned, and we'll be drinking Breck beers at all of them. So RSVP and have a good time. We've got more on the other side. Stay tuned to the DNVR Broncos podcast. What's up, guys? Ryan Konigsberg here, and I got to tell you about the Blake Street Tavern. It's my favorite sports bar in town, as evidenced by the fact that we had our fantasy draft there. It's where I watched Super Bowl 48. It's where I watched CU win a Pac-12 basketball championship back in the day. Uh, It's the place to be for any sporting event. It's the biggest bar in town. I always joke you could land a 747 in there. It was named the National Sports Bar of the Year in 2017 by Nightclub and Bar Magazine. It wins Best Sports Bar in Denver seemingly every year from Westward, anyone else that's voting. It's the place to be. Uh, They've got great specials, and the food is out of this world. I recommend the nachos, the green chili fries, uh, the buffalo chicken wrap. You name it, they've got it, and the location is perfect. Just two blocks north of Coors Field, and they have parking. So go check out the Blake Street Tavern. Welcome back to the DNVR Broncos podcast, direct to you from Daphne, Alabama, across Mobile Bay from Mobile site of the Senior Bowl. Andrew Mason, Andre Simone here with you. We're going to be here with you the next three days talking about all things NFL draft prospects and Senior Bowl, looking at the holes the Broncos may try to fill with prospects that are down here. And, of course, we always like to take time to listen to our listeners, the ones who make this podcast possible. We're always grateful for you mm-hmm. for writing with whatever combination of us is here, here. At the, here at the chair. I, I hope uh, Ryan and Zach enjoy the next three days, by the way, because yeah, uh, really. they've been a uh, podcast marathoner, especially Zach. He's been, you know, he's been, he like hasn't missed the show in like yeah, three years. I yeah, I, know. <laughs> I was just thinking to myself, like there have been shows that I've missed. There yeah. have been shows that RK has missed. Yeah. And Zach is just always there. So, Zach, buddy, hope you're enjoying this yeah. week. Rest those vocal cords because we've got plenty to talk about <laughs> coming up. Let's start with this one from Am I Right or Amarillo. Still listening to Friday's pod, but want to get a couple of points slash questions out while they're fresh on the brain. Number one, since an open-faced sandwich has now received its own distinction, is an Eggs Benedict considered an open-faced sandwich? Yeah, I guess. I missed the initial discussion, but yeah, yeah, I would suppose that's that could be considered. Yeah, it's only got the one. It's I know it's its own category, but for me, a sandwich still has to have like two slices, two separate Fair. pieces of bread, and the eggs Benedict. It's only the one side of the egg McMu- of the uh, English muffin. I almost said egg McMuffin because yeah. I had one for breakfast. Yeah, I guess that's I true. Guess. Yeah, fair. But I love Eggs Benedict, by the way. And actually, I, I love I do too. Salmon Benedict in particular. Ooh. That's delicious. Number two, on the subject of guilty pleasure junk foods, have any of you gents experienced the All Subs Burrito? It is popular throughout New Mexico and West Texas and affectionately referred to by most as a gut buster. No, am I right or Amarillo? I have not yeah, experienced this. And I have to look this up. I have to find out the All Subs Burrito because I'm all about trying new things. And I'm a little bit of a food adventurer. I've referenced the fact that if I had the opportunity, I would eat the tarantula burger, which is served at a restaurant in Durham, North Carolina. Yeah. Okay, All Sup's Burrito. Let's see. Well, I'm looking it up here. It looks... Uh, yeah, what you got? It looks tasty. It, it's All Sup's is a... 
looks I mean, like I'm it's sure. a chain, a, a, a small chain, and they have stores. Let's. Uh, I now I'm looking up the. Of course, <laughs> I, it's not going to be within 20 miles of my current location because I'm in Alabama. Yeah, sorry, but <laughs> anyway, sorry, Google. Looks pretty good, but it's also uh, looks like a gas station, as well. I, it's a gut buster, after all. Well. You, it's it's all in one. It's uh, maybe right. maybe all subs is like the southwest version of Wawa or Sheets. Yeah, you get your gas uh-huh. and you get right. some kind of good food. Why not? We need to combine more things. Uh, I agree. One like, stop shopping. Yeah, exactly. When I'm filling up, sometimes I want to fill up in another way. Yeah, maybe that's the whole point. You fill <laughs> up on exactly you fill right. up your tank mm-hmm. metaphorically, and you fill up your tank literally. Yeah. Number three for Mister B. Number four. And I'm going to sing it because you request <laughs> I sing it. When the sun is high in that Texas sky, I'll be bucking at the county fair. Amarillo by morning, Amarillo, I'll be there. <laughs> sing it, Maze. Well done. Aww. Well done. Ah, it's one of my favorites. I, I like, I like kind of old school country. It's kind of lost me with the dude country of today. But yeah, you know, some old some. I can appreciate old school. The some nineteen eighties George Strait. Oh, if you want to go real old school, like back in the sixties or seventies, like a, a George Jones. Mm. Have you ever heard the song? Have you had? He stopped loving her today. I don't think so. Okay, we talk about things that, like on first listen or or, or watch, might make you cry. That is, man, that is one of the saddest songs. Is it? But it's a brilliant song. Well, I might have to like listen that. to it when I go to bed and mm-hmm. grind and some gonna, tape. <laughs> and I am not going to sing it because I could not do the late George Jones any justice. All right. I'll let him carry it. Bronco Gator has been a while since I last posted, and I must say, wow, the off-season content has had me on the floor laughing. Sandwiches, Pop-Tarts, The Bachelor, need I say more? Also, just a quick question. What do you guys consider the cutoff for both Gen X and the Millennials? I was born in 87, and depending on who you ask, I could belong to one or the other or both. Somehow I feel this odd resistance to being labeled a Millennial. Just asking. Keep up the hilarity, gents. I think Gen X is perceived to stop at about 1981 or 82. Yep. That's my understanding is Millennial starts right around 82. Okay. And so I what you're saying is there are now 38-year-old millennials walking the earth. Yeah, that's exactly are, right. So basically, there are middle-aged millennials. Yeah. yeah. People Including gotta... our employer, Brandon Spano, proudly <laughs> of the class of 82. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, not proudly. I, I probably just outed him as an old guy. Oh, but uh, oh, yeah. I, I'm older. I'm 76. Whoa. <laughs> you're 76. You, you look so good. <laughs> well, thank you. I mean, there's, a little, there's starting to be a little... Uh, Salt and the pepper of this uh, beard here, but I'm I'm, I'm holding my own age wise. Absolutely, I, I do hear a lot that I do not look my age. Yeah, that's a good thing. So I'm I'm I think I can pass for 35. As an uh, also a, a 87 person, I reluctantly have had to accept that I am a millennial, even though I don't necessarily identify with what we think of as millennials. But as we've mentioned, there are 38 year old millennials roaming the world. Dre, you seem like an old soul. Yeah, yeah, possibly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then Bronco Gator follows up. <laughs> Never mind, gents. I have been thoroughly scalded by my peers that I am firmly fixed as a millennial. Excuse me while I go brood. 
Oh, how many can change one letter? I meant scolded, not scalded. I, I like scalded. That actually made and actually scalded it worked. made sense. Yeah. Because, you know, maybe you got burned by your peers for that. Right. Spurned. Scalded. Scalded. Bronco Gator. Works. You had some unintentional wisdom there. Yeah. Well done, Bronco Gator. Class of eighty seven, stay strong. You wanna get the next one? Yeah. Ethan Rozier. One, knowing how long it took for Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers to get their offense rolling into what it is now, do you think Elway would still keep Kyle or fire him after his second season? That's a that's a great question. Okay, here's what I think would have happened if the Broncos had hired Kyle Shanahan. Yeah. There's no one whose answer interests me more than what you're about to say. Okay. Kirk Cousins would have been a Denver Bronco in 2018. He would not have become a Minnesota Viking. Yeah. He would have been a Denver Bronco. (laughs) The grand plan of Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch as well, but mainly Kyle Shanahan. At one point, it was to have Kirk Cousins as his quarterback. They worked together in Washington. They're Mm -hmm. two guys whose brains are on the same wavelength as far as football goes. And the opportunity to work together again, I think, would have pleased both. But, of course, the 49ers, they traded for Jimmy Garoppolo, and they saw enough in Jimmy Garoppolo to commit to him. And understandable, because at that point, you'd seen him learn the scheme Mm -hmm. in a matter of weeks. Tip the cap to Rich Gangarello for really helping get Jimmy Garoppolo up to speed back in 2017. And so they were going to go with him. But... Based on the quarterbacks the Broncos had going into 2017, maybe they would have added, say, a Brian Hoyer, someone with some scheme familiarity for Kyle Shanahan. I don't think that anybody in that room in 2017 would have shown enough for the Broncos to bypass the potential availability of Kirk Cousins in the 2018 offseason. So I think Cousins would have come in. I think he would have done well with Kyle Shanahan. I think... Instead of going six and ten in twenty eighteen, the Broncos are nine and seven. Mm-hmm. Not yeah. maybe not a playoff team, right. but pushing and competitive. And then I think Kyle Shanahan is comfortably back for a third year. Yeah, no, and I, I think I agree he'd be completely. going on to his fourth year with Denver if they'd hired him. Yeah, yeah. With all that baked in, it's hard to disagree with that. Secondly, Ethan asks, would you choose Vic Fangio or Kyle Shanahan after Vance was fired? if both were available at the time. A bit of revisionist history. Yes. I feel fairly confident that even with Shanahan's tenure at the Niners not going as well as it they would have hoped, at that point when Vic was hired, had Kyle been available, I would have gone with Shanahan. Yeah, it would have made sense. And what is interesting is a lot of teams, if they have defensive-oriented head coaches... And then, back. The, yeah. and then the offense flourishes, then they lose kind of the primary mind of that offense because inevitably that coordinator goes on to become somebody's head coach. Right. Whereas if you hire an offensive coordinator as your head coach and he's calling the plays, and then you lose your OC who may not have play calling responsibility, yeah, that's tough, but at the same time you can kind of keep yeah. schematic mm-hmm. and philosophical consistency. And that's one reason why you see some teams – going to the offensive coach as their head coach. Now, the Broncos are are in an interesting spot and potentially an outstanding spot if 
Pat Shermer works out as offensive coordinator because after two head coaching stints, both of which ended in 9-23 and records. Ugh, I know. Nobody is going to be looking at him as their head yeah. coach, even though neither was a particularly advantageous situation. Right, right. But no one's going to be banging down Pat Shermer's door no. to be their head coach, even if the Broncos' offense rockets into the top five this year. It's one reason why a coordinator like that is potentially the type of guy that you want to have. Because yeah. you should be able to have consistency in scheme with Pat Shermer. You shouldn't have to worry about him going anywhere. And because he's versed in the West Coast offense, while the Broncos are going to do some different things this year, they're not changing the nomenclature. It's going to be a West Coast language. So Drew Locke and the players on offense don't have to start from zero. I think that's huge. Yeah. What's going on? Massive. I agree completely. Thank you, Ethan. This one from York. Guys, PB and J instructions. Layer of peanut butter on each piece. On the bottom piece, go around the edges, building up the peanut butter to make a square pocket and load the jelly in that. No more jelly squishing out and plenty of peanut butter to satisfy mace. I talked about how on peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, I put peanut butter on both pieces of bread and then plop the jelly oh, in the middle okay. of one side. That's my dad's oh. trick. He loves peanut butter, and I inherited that from him. Is, Sounds good. Is Tom McMahon still around? If so, <laughs> how? All caps. I think six question marks. Yeah, six questions. Wadman, three question marks. <laughs> my dad actually had a thought, and I am curious if you think it would be legal. Instead of punting at 12 yards, line up in the punt formation, but direct snap to the back, who essentially bowls the ball on the ground, technical fumble, and have it go at least 20 yards. Better than watching a shank every week. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> why not just go for it then? <laughs> yeah, take right. a chance on getting right. the first down. Actually, something interesting about Colby Wadman. You know, the University of Denver has, I believe, the number two gymnastics team in the country. Uh-huh. Colby Wadman is dating the top gymnast on DU's gymnastics team. Get out. Yes. Oh wow. Mike Kliss had that story on Nine News this weekend. Oh, there's your personality thing on Colby. That's Wadman. impressive. And. uh do you watch Seinfeld? Yes. Okay, do you remember yeah, the episode unlike about your the other gym- co-host, I actually have watched Seinfeld. Do you remember the episode about the gymnast? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Listeners, you'll get that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's my, why my ears perked up when a I heard world gymnast. Of, a world yeah. of delights. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Don't get me in trouble. Um, Love Thunder Down Under asks, Mason Dre, hope you're enjoying the Senior Bowl. I hope you've packed your PB&J for break lunch dinner question for break lunch dinner question how much does the speed difference between a 4340 and a 45040 actually show up on the field of the prospects in the wide receiver pool you are seeing who plays faster than they might record at the combine and who doesn't live up to their time speed based just great on question. what i've seen and I, we're going to see more in the next few days uh, Devin DuVernay is a guy who I think plays faster than his time speed will reveal out of Texas. Great name. Um, the other thing, what's the difference between 4-3 and 4-5? Well, there's another number to consider, and it's the 10-yard split. Yeah. Because yeah. that's where the difference is really going to show up. How fast are they at the snap? Mm-hmm. And teams value this. Some heavily. Do you remember when the Broncos went with three cornerbacks at the top of the 05 draft. It was the Darren Williams, oh, yeah. Dominique Foxworth, yep. Carl Payne a year. 
Yeah. What I those three had in common were two were three of the best ten yard split times at the combine. Interesting. And yeah. two of the three, I it's mean, were good cornerbacks. Of course, Darren Williams' life tragically cut, cut wow. short. But Dominique Foxworth had a very good career before injuries cut it short. And Carl Pema hang, hung around for a few years in the league as well. So none of them were busts. Yeah. But Darren Williams was on a trajectory to have an excellent career. I know. And Dominique Foxworth did flourish, actually, once he got out of Denver. Yep. He really took off when he was in Atlanta. Yeah. So. Yeah, and having a great media career as well. Yes. Um, you also got to factor in they're basically in underwear when they're running four threes mm-hmm. and four fives. So what are they with pads on? Right. Exactly. I've always thought they should run exactly with pads on, but you should standardize yes. it. And one thing that you hear as far as, oh, why don't they run in pads? Is that, well, some guys would wear more pads than others and that they run in yeah. their underwear. The Underwear Olympics, as John Fox used to say. Yeah. Because it's a standard. Right. But I, honestly, that's why I get more out of the Senior Bowl than the Combine. Yeah, agree. As far as being able to evaluate guys. This is football. Yeah. This matters more for the guys Agreed. that are here. I, yeah, Denzel Mims might be a guy that I'd throw out there who might not test as fast as he plays. That's a, that's a good call right there. The Sandy Man. Hey, guys. Been doing some mock drafts with trades and have had a few good ones. Tell me what you think about this three-round mock. Henry Ruggs with the 15. Trade with Patriots for 23. Give second, third, and sixth. Get seventh rounder and 23 overall. Draft LaVisca. Trade to the top of third round with Carolina for 69th overall for our third and fifth. Comp pick expectations. Draft Tyler Biotish. Of all, in all mocks, he's the hardest pr- to predict. Seen as high as first or dropping to mid-third. And the last third round pick is Dre Adams. Is Trey Adams. So Ruggs, LaVisca, Biotish, Adams, all offense. Poof. It's not, not bad. bad. <laughs> not bad. If You're you get Biotish at the top of round three, I'd be ecstatic because yeah. that's that's an immediate starter at mm-hmm. the top of round three. Plug and play, developmental left tackle prospect in Trey Adams, right. who you're getting at a nice value. LaVisca, Ruggs, Sutton would complement each other quite nicely. That trio would be very intriguing. And LaVisca's a chess piece oh, if yeah. you use him properly. Oh, yeah. But can he stay healthy? I wouldn't pick LaVisca at 15 because of the health concerns. At 23, I think yeah. the risk-reward ratio is more of where I like it. At 15, it's just a little too high for my blood. I wonder if LaVisca is just Demarius Thomas, who you know comes out of Georgia Tech injured, can never test at the combine, kind of nicked up his first couple of seasons as a pro, and then great continuity. It didn't help that Josh McDaniels had him out there on kickoff returns getting a concussion <laughs> yes. in Baltimore. Yeah. Oh. That did not help. Sometimes I, know. I wake up with that <laughs> sight in my nightmares. Right as we were getting excited about DT, too. He put him on the shelf. Or Diggs. I think of Stefan Diggs, who never was quite healthy at Maryland. Mm-hmm. But it was just little nicks, you know? It wasn't anything. So I wonder if Visca's just had a rough two years, an unlucky two years. Because all reports I'm hearing is that it's nothing serious. Yes. But you do you are concerned that he's missed the field so much. So and that's why... The most important thing at the combine, more important than the on-field testing, it's what we don't see. It's the medicals. Oh, that's character and medical evaluations will make or break a lot of these guys whose tape I love, and it's the hardest part. And you better hope you can trust your medical staff, and you better hope you have some sports psychologists and some people you really trust in the character evaluation. Very true. Mile high, eight oh eight. My last-minute comment didn't make the last. One, 
but for Spam, a.k.a. canned ham masubi. It's just Spam marinade and fried in soy sauce and sugar on a bed of white rice wrapped in seaweed. It's so easy to make, I would make it as a young airman stationed in Germany. You mm. can cut off the bottom of the can, place the seaweed underneath, pack in the rice, place the, sam- the Spam pardon me, on the rice, and then wrap. Or you guys can just hit up Mike Purcell and ask him to cook for you guys. Ooh. I like that. I'll have to ask Mike that next time we see him. <laughs> anyway, with the Pro Bowl coming up, how good do you think Cortland will look with a Pro Bowl QB throwing to him? Just something to get excited about in this lull between seasons. Well, he's going to look good because they don't play defense in the Pro Bowl. Yeah. It's. Are you even going to watch the Pro Bowl on Sunday? Nope. I'm a fanatic. Yeah. I watch as much tape, all levels, preseason, you know, as much as I can. Mm-hmm. Pro Bowl doesn't even phase me. Couldn't yeah. be less interested. I think part of it is also, I look at... Also, it's happening this week, and it happens on Sunday. It happens on Sunday, and I'm going to watch the Senior Bowl game on Saturday. Right. And being back home and now in the off season, I like to get as many weekends as I can with family. Yeah. I just don't think the Pro Bowl is going to be on my radar. No, not at all. But, hey, if he has some highlights, I'll check him out on Twitter. And that's the thing. If he does anything good, we'll watch him. But it's always going to be with the uh, caveat that they don't play defense. They don't play full speed. There was a time when they did. I know. You don't have to go back very far. Remember Sean Taylor lighting up Brian Mm -hmm. Mormon? Yes. Remember Rod Smith playing the Pro Bowl and getting hit and having blood coming down the bridge of his nose? Yeah, what happened? Yeah, it it's it's been fairly recently that the Pro Bowl has really become like in the last ten years or so, just kind of a mail it in game. Yeah, but guys used to really play it legit and straight up. I know it's almost like there might. I'd almost like to see him switch it up so that there's more value in it. Like I'd rather see practice settings like we do in Mobile with Pro Bowlers. See some one on ones with cornerbacks and wide receivers and tackles and edge rushers. That'd be fun. Oh, yeah. oh my god, yeah, that'd be amazing. Also, probably very dangerous with these highly paid star athletes. But I would rather. Oh, watch, I would pay. For, that's must see TV. I would rather watch Von Miller. Oh. going against Taylor Lewan one on one than anything in the Pro Bowl. I would pay. I would pay pay per view type numbers to see that. Yeah. I mean, well, I'd, I'm not I sure mean, I'd pay pay-per-view type numbers. I would say, why don't you put it as an add-on on the on the money I'm already paying to ESPN Plus every month? <laughs> I have that combo ESPN Plus, Hulu, and Disney Plus. So when Disney Same Plus here. came online, I didn't pay any more yeah, yeah. than I was already paying because I yeah. had it bundled. Right. And when you have a kid who's seven years old, you have to have Disney Plus right. at this point. Right. But uh, And also for me, the, the kid at heart, because yeah. you have the Mandalorian. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yep, same here. <laughs> <laughs> Oka- oh, go ahead. Oklahoma Broncos Evil Twin asks, Maze, I'm curious to know what your favorite position group to keep an eye on during senior bowl practices. And are you a fully loaded type of guy, or do you kick it old school with a legal pad and pen? It's a little bit of everything, because I will have a camera set up and I will be getting kind of the all 22 of team period stuff, and I'll also be shooting uh, the line drills and some one-on-one receiver DB stuff. And I will be taking notes because I'll be like looking and say, okay, that's a clip I want to go back to and go back and look at. So it's everything. I usually scope out a spot about, say, 30, 35 rows up in the stands. I started watching the practices from there because years ago, 
when Ted Sunquist was the Broncos GM and I'd go say hi to him and talk with the scouts that they were always up in the stands. Yep. And so I've got my camera, I've got my binoculars, I've got my notepad, and I just kind of spread out a little bit and I'm kind of to myself. I'll, I'll talk to people after the practice, but I, I kind of get into a zone where I'm going back and forth and trying to watch as much as I can. And I kind of get into, into a zone where it would be hard to talk to me in that moment uh-huh. because I'm just kind of locked in. That's funny. That reminds me of a time when Zach went up to watch practice. It was getting cold, so yeah. he, he wanted the All-22 view, and he wanted to be warm. Yeah. And he just sat next to Tom Telesco, and they're just scouting guys together. Yeah. The Chargers GM. That's just crazy. But my fa- yeah, my favorite position so group, my favorite position group, it's O-line, D-line. I, I love when they, get, when they get in the one-on-one drills there. That's yeah. The, my favorite thing in, right. in practice. I love edge rushers, but yeah, mm-hmm. seeing them in the pit, that's that's the best of the best, especially in a setting like this. Oh. Iceman checks yeah. in. Hey, friends. Mace, I asked this yesterday, but the kids did not know, nor would HR be okay with them answering if they did know. You have me curious. Would it be disrespectful if I ask how old you are? If you choose not to say, I will understand. Go Broncos, Drew, Mace, DNVR. Okay. We just said Wait, it. I said it. I'm 43. <laughs> <laughs> so there it's out there he doesn't look a day over 35 so there you go oh, Iceman. that's something and i appreciate thank that. you for the support as thank always. you for the flattery yeah and thank you Iceman, <laughs> as always for joining us mark shippers asks go 49ers well he doesn't ask he says go 49ers but period no exclamation mark so veiled there kyle shanahan will dirt nap andy reed just like his dad did at to mike holmgrim in super bowl 32 boy i like the sound of that mm. Also, Pop-Tart Hot Take. Cherry is my favorite. I know everyone hates it, but it's number one for me. All the fruit ones are good. The s'mores, Sunday-type kinds are good as well, but a tier below, I think. Hope all is well in DMVR land. Mark in Kansas. Well, we were at a local grocery store down here, a Publix. That's a southern chain. I was introducing Dre to... Southern hospitality grocery store style because they offer to take your bags in the cart to your car. Right. And I said, no, thank you. We got it. Yeah. (laughs) But Andre needed a couple of things. I need a couple of things from the store. But I did pick up a snack and I did pick up Pop-Tarts. My favorite, of course, Blueberry. And you went for the, uh, what brand did you get there? An Annie's uh, Organic Style Strawberry. Oh, aren't you fancy. I sure am. (laughs) (laughs) So Strawberry, there you go. Yeah, the synthetic cherry stuff has never been my jam. It just, everything seems to remind me of cough syrup. Aside from like, uh, you know what's a good cherry flavor is uh, uh, Jolly Ranchers cherries. Very good. And cherry pie, but you've got real cherries well, right, in there. Yeah. Like, everyone loves cherry pie. Yeah, yeah, of course. But, yeah, it's like the, the cherry flavor synthesized, it's just, yeah, it's always a bit off. Mm-hmm. Cough but, syrup, that's a good description. I hadn't thought of it that way, but I think you're right on with that. That's what it reminds me of, is being forced to take, like, cough syrup or some sort of medicine as a kid that uh, tasted that. Like that good. artificial cherry, yeah. Before we keep rolling on through your comments... Let's talk about the Denver Rubber Company. You guys know how supporting local business is in our blood. Well, we're super excited to tell you about Denver Rubber Company, and it may not be what you think it is. Denver Rubber Company is the most reliable local partner for your long-term projects. Since 1972, Denver Rubber Company has provided the highest quality of products from custom die 
cut gaskets, molded rubber, to custom contract manufacturing and custom hoses. And guess what? Snow is coming, and we've already had a taste of it. You'll need Denver Rubber Company when it comes to anything snow plows. DRC can cut to size and pre-slot most snow plow rubber. The blades can be cut to any length and slotted for mounting to meet your exact specifications. We went and checked out their warehouse a few weeks back, and it was nothing short of amazing. These guys have created proprietary materials that make up the inside of wind turbine blades, and we even witnessed machines that cut material that are used in bulletproof vests. Remember, Denver Rubber Company custom makes it all, and you can purchase products for yourself and, of course, buy bulk at a fantastic rate. They're a family-owned business with loyalty only to the people, just like us here at DNVR. Be sure to call them today for any snowplow needs, custom gaskets, hoses, etc. at 1-800-259-0010 or visit them at drcfirst.com slash dnvr and tell them who sent you. On with the comments. Ball in Nickcast. Hey guys, just caught up with the Friday pod. I am just as baffled as you guys as to why Elway wouldn't come out and just say that Drew is the guy for 2020. But all the info coming from Dove Valley is that he's 100% the guy. RK sources told him that Locke was told he was the guy going forward. On top of that, Elway's BFF Mike Kliss has posted several stories stating the Broncos are not in the market for a QB at the top of the draft and that the move to get Pat Shermer was for Locke's development. So with that being said, the only explanation I can think of is Elway wants other teams to think that he is in the market for a QB. Is he trying to get teams to jump Denver to get Jacob Easton or Jordan Love? Thoughts? I don't think he's fooling anybody. I think everybody knows that the Broncos aren't looking for a quarterback in this draft. I think the only thing that may be in play is if the bug enters Elway's ear that, oh, might Drew Brees be on the market? Hmm. I don't think it would be Tom Brady. I think Drew Brees is the only possibility that would change it. Even that would seem like why why change course when Brees was struggling a bit in the second half of the year. At and times. also, you just you got to... Bite the bullet yeah. and give Drew Locke the year and figure it out. Right. Th- look, this year it's all about Drew Locke. It should be all about Drew Locke. Has to be, right? Yeah, that inexplicable. But the I don't know. I try not to get too caught up in what people say and try to analyze their actions. So that's what I. So will you're do. A what they do, not what they say. <laughs> yeah, that's also the standard I like to be. <laughs> upheld by at home until I do the wrong thing. Then I say, hey, that's not what I said, though. True. Um, okay, Missouri Bronco, Andrew O, KC Spy, and I, as well as all Denver fans in KC, are in hell. This is terrible. Such insufferable fans. I've shut down social media temporarily, and I see no end in sight. On the bright side, it looks like we will be visiting the moon soon. To commemorate <laughs> the last time Kansas City made it before yesterday. Any words of encouragement? <laughs> words of encouragement. Well, they're going to have to back the Brinks truck up to Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. And even with expected increases in the salary cap resulting from the new broadcast contracts on the other side of the collective bargaining agreement that will be redone at some point in 2021 they're not going to be able to keep the band together. Now, that being said, Patrick Mahomes, I think he is advancing to the level of quarterback who will make his receiving targets better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Having Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, 
Kareem Hunt in 2018, having that galaxy yeah. of stars helped him have a big year perhaps before it might have happened otherwise. But what you're already seeing with Nicole Hardman is he's taking a young raw receiver and making him better. So what I can say is this. The fact that you have a, the league being based on the salary cap in terms of how team building is structured, they're going to have to make some tough decisions. Yeah. And this is why, with the exception of Tom Brady in New England, mm-hmm. these elite quarterbacks, while their teams generally control the division over the long haul, take the Packers winning the NFC North in 6 of 12 seasons with Aaron Rodgers, a quarterback, there is a window to sneak in mm-hmm. and get the rest of them. And I think I look at Patrick Mahomes, I put this out on Twitter on Sunday. He's already led the Chiefs to two division titles. Yeah. Let's say he plays through at least 2029. I think that's probably conservative. That's yeah. 12 seasons. Yeah. Assume that the Chiefs win six of those 12. So they've already won two. Mm-hmm. So four more. They'll have some rough seasons as they adjust to oh. life potentially without a Tyreek Hill, right. without a Travis Kelsey. Without Chris Jones, maybe? Right. And there will be an opening for the Broncos to swoop in through the side mm-hmm. door. The thing is, though, I think it is realistic to assume that the Chiefs do win the division half the time yeah. that Mahomes is their starter. So that is six division titles from 2018 through 2029 just for that sample size that are divided among the Broncos, Raiders, and Chargers. And how many of those can the Broncos get? Mm -hmm. I think in the short term, so much of it depends on how Drew Locke develops. 100%. I think a word of encouragement in the shorter term is even Patrick Mahomes against that front four for the Niners is not going to have an easy time. And that's where I think the Super Bowl will be won and lost. But the Chiefs are favored for a reason. Yeah. Yeah, that offense is tough to stop. And... And that defense has been balling. They've been like, right. the best defense in the NFL the last two months. And the, and the th- and that's what has separated the Chiefs. I mean, you mm-hmm. have a, a very good defense partner with an explosive offense. Mm-hmm. And they may not have that defense in any way, shape, or form next year. And that's why this may be the moment. As f- I think Patrick Mahomes, hate to say this, Broncos country, but I think the Chiefs will win multiple Super Bowls with Patrick Mahomes at quarterback. Yeah, I mean, that's what the evidence would suggest. But this is their best shot Mm -hmm. in this moment. It may require some good drafting and some shifting of points of emphasis before they get back there. I don't see the Chiefs going, say, back-to-back. No. I think they take a step back next year just because of what they'll lose on defense. Yeah, and they also... I don't trust the way they draft. I think they get too caught up in being cute and making luxury picks instead of addressing real needs, and that could hurt them long-term if they don't get out of that habit. Well, they've added some good players in the last couple of well, years. Still, the guts of the team were built by John Dorsey. Yep, yep. <sighs> Bronco-born, Bronco-bred, Mason Andre. I know y'all weren't the ones who had this conversation, but this is in regards to John second-guessing firing Scangarello after the Niners-Packers game. Skangs' system might be just fine, and he could be a great play caller, but our personnel just isn't close to where the Niners' personnel is. Our players that we have and the young guys are much more fitting for Pat Shermer. Think about the positions compared to the Niners. Fant isn't and won't be near what Kittle is as a blocking tight end. Their offensive line is worlds better than ours, and Locke is more talented than Jimmy G. Okay. 
Jimmy G's pretty talented. Yeah, even I'm, though they're hiding him. I'm not a right massive now. fan, but yeah, <laughs> he's got talent. I mean, I, there's I don't no know that Drew Lock is more talented just yet. Maybe not today. Yeah, yeah, we don't need to hide Lock behind a system like the Niners do with Jimmy G. The 49ers are the perfect ver- ver- version of this system, and Broncos were not going to be able be able to repl- replicate it. Pardon me. Shermer is a nice hire to play more to our strengths that we have. Let's stop being prisoners of the moment and not get carried away with them running all over a bad run defense in the Packers. Can we talk about that for a sec? How does Matt LaFleur, who he should know that offense inside out, how does he not know how to adjust to that running game? For them to just murder them over and over and over running the same stuff. I mean, is there any worse indictment than Matt LaFleur than that? Uh, the fact that it took him three quarters of a season in Tennessee to figure out that <laughs> Derrick Henry was the horse he should ride. <laughs> Fair enough. If he figures that out at midseason in 2018, the Titans go to the playoffs. They, they'd have yeah. three straight no, playoff appearances right you're now. You're right. <laughs> you're right. So, I mean, I also think, you know, don't get, don't, that's right, don't be caught up too much in the moment because a lot of what we saw was an aberration in that game. Yeah, and, it, and right now the... The 49ers are the Packers' kryptonite. Yeah. Oh, they have been for a minute. Yeah. I mean, I remember Kaepernick running wild all over them. They just, there's something about those Niners that really give the Packers trouble. So what they do in the offseason, I think, is going to be designed to counter what the 49ers do. Yeah. Yeah. And it'll be the test of Matt LaFleur. One thing I'll say for LaFleur, the adjustments aren't great, but I think he's generally a good head coach. By getting the Packers back to the NFC Championship game in his first year on the job, but I think there's a little bit of Brian Billick in him in that mm, he's a good like coach, this. but he has the offensive pedigree, but yet his offense is strangely just okay. Right, right. So I wonder if the Packers at some point in the next couple of years maybe think, okay, let's go for a different play caller. I wonder if Matt Lafleur. I would. I wonder if Matt Lafleur might look at it himself, take a deep self-scouting, yeah. self-evaluation of himself and say, you know, maybe someone else should be calling the plays here. Maybe someone f- like Scangarello? <laughs> Not the oddest fit, huh? No, I mean, it sounds like Scangarello is headed to Cleveland right. in some capacity to Which, work with Baker Mayfield. Boy, I would... I, if I was advising him, I'd say, warning, warning, but... That's not my job. Anyways, back that's to Shermer Scangarello. That's an interesting combination of personalities. Yeah. Rich Scangarello and Baker Mayfield. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, and I like Baker. I'm, I'm a Baker guy, but, oh, man. Yeah, uh, I'm not so much. But, I mean, that is the advantage of the Shermer offense versus the Scangarello offense is you are kind of playing teams straight up. Yes. You're saying, hey, we're going to— we're going to take you on. If you can win all these one-on-one matchups, more power to you. Mm-hmm. But guess what? We win a couple of these, you're going to be in big trouble. It's not scheming guys open. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, all based on the zone, the outside zone running game. It's a little more in your face. If we have the talent, this is going to be much harder to beat than a Scangarello offense or a Shanahan offense. Good point. 30s win. There are two additional foods that can be eaten for breakfast, lunch, or dinner. Mm. Eggs are definitely one of them. There were 101 pleats on a chef tote hat that signify the 101 different ways to prepare eggs. They are one of the most versatile foods you can cook. Example, breakfast, fried eggs. Lunch, deviled eggs. Dinner, egg foo young. I'd also argue me personally for the fried egg sandwich at lunch. 
Yeah, I'm a big fan of the fried egg sandwich. And it's lunch, right? Yes, yes, yes. That qualifies. I've had people telling me it's breakfast. Mm-hmm. Could be brunch. <laughs> the second is chicken and waffles. It can mm. and is eaten at all times. Yes. May should know that's huge in the South. I saw it on the menu tonight where we ate dinner. I didn't have it, but I saw a chicken and waffles item on the menu. I actually had some chicken and waffles this week, and it was exquisite. Nice. Yeah. Good way to describe it, too. Oh, thank you. Thank you. After 27 years of eating everything, I went vegan. Men can be vegan, too. Five years ago for health and ethics reasons, so a lot of what I eat now can be considered breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I have some friends that have gone vegan and swear by it. It's not something I'm quite ready to make the jump on, but I don't know. I could go to the doctor, and the doctor could say, you got to change some things, and I might be forced into veganism. Who knows? I've watched a lot of the reality shows, and I could never get behind them. I can't get into clearly scripted drama with D-class acting. What's the appeal to scripted reality shows with worse acting over top actors, which are also running off a script? Nothing. Yeah. I'm not a I'm not a reality show person in any way, shape, or form. I like some good trash reality. I think he's referring to The Bachelor, which to me just comes off as very corny. But hey, to each their own. Some people dig it. Hey. Some people love it. You know, well, and there are going to be some people who are disappointed in our relative lack of Bachelor conversation over the next three days. Yeah, we'll make up for it with Senior Bowl talk, I suppose. (laughs) Tucson Mike, two things. Number one, do you see KC drinking too much of their own flavor aid and we get a repeat of what happened to the Broncos in Super Bowl 48? All-time offense getting completely shut down by a well-prepared physical defense. Well, it's a good KC offense. Last year was the all-time offense. Yeah, yeah. And the all-time offenses historically do not do well in the Super Bowls. Nope. Nope. So I don't think they they don't fit into the category of, for example, the 2013 Broncos, the 2016 Falcons, right. the 2007 Patriots, right, the 2001 Rams, the 1983 right. Redskins, just to name a few yeah. off the top of my yeah. head, who racked up points. They were 30 plus points per game. They right. were dominant, shredding people. I think of the felt, Vikings in 98, 98, 99, when mm-hmm. they, they got beat by Atlanta, another all time offense, you know? Yeah. Number two, stepping away from the Broncos. How do the Rockies not run Breidich out of town <laughs> on a rail? Piss off your best player. Give away any leverage you had and crater trade value. W T F. Those three letters, I think describe a lot of us. And yep. what we're thinking about Jeff Breidich and the Colorado Rockies tonight. Yep. Yeah, pretty much. Not much to say about that. Yeah, that that has to be the biggest story back home, right? Yeah, you'd think. And just a complete mishandling of it all. Um, it's not the first thing that Breidich has mishandled. That's the problem. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, he hasn't been good. He hasn't been good handling his, his major leaguers and... And dealing with other organizations, like his his record in free agency is terrible. Yeah, he's just—I don't think he's a. I said this at dinner tonight. I'm going to say it here. Just imagine a world where the Tampa Bay Rays and the De- and the Colorado Rockies switched front offices, and you had the Rays front office now in Colorado, not with a huge budget, but with a much bigger budget than they have down in St. Petersburg. So able to keep more of the players that they develop and find. And that team, that perennially contending, perennially fun team, built with smart decisions left, right, and center, playing at Coors Field, 
instead of in front of friends and family crowds at Tropicana Field in St. Petersburg. That team would be freaking beloved in Denver if it worked out that way. I mean, yeah. I mean, the Rockies would push the Broncos. Yeah. Not completely mm. off, but they would push him in popularity if they were run that well. Yeah, if you could swap front offices with the Rays or the A's, some one of these savvy front offices. Well, they thought they were getting yeah. that with Breidich. I know. I know. <laughs> That's the thing. Man, coaching in front offices higher at face value that it it's hard until they're in the chair and you right. see what they can do and how they manage the tough situations. And Breidich is failing at that. He sure is. He's sure not is. brain surgery. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Sorry. People management. I had be a to go there. I, I couldn't hey. let this day pass without making that sort of smart-ass comment. He put it on a T for you. I know. Count Locula simply oh, says... I always read Count Locula. Oh, sorry, oh, sorry, please. Drake. No, no, please. The, the Count has requested that I read his comments. <laughs> that is fine. <laughs> Shanny did plumber dirty. Love the Count. Talking, of course, about 2006. Hard to argue against that. They got it wrong. Yep. And even though Plummer was not playing well, that was one that Shanny missed on and probably cost the Broncos a playoff spot. Yeah, um, I I feel pretty certain it did. They could have they could have waited on Jay Cutler until the next season. Yeah, and it would have been just simple to do that, make the change over in the off season. But yeah, alas, it cost the Broncos a playoff spot, and who and. We don't want to go down the rabbit hole of, of all that. Something that we've discussed that we've discussed on this podcast previously. That's uh, th- those were sad times. Yeah, in Broncos country. Yeah, that's sad for time. sure. Onion Booty Bronco asks, Holler, one crepes can be considered a BLD meal: breakfast, lunch, and dinner. That is, there's Two. a stand, a magic pan crepe stand in Airside C at DIA. Oh really? Then you can get where you can get crepes all day. I love crepes. Of course, another Seinfeld reference because the magic pan. <laughs> a Mandelbaum has to roll it. That's what puts the magic <laughs> in magic pan. <laughs> Mandelbaum. Mandelbaum. That's an amazing reference. Um, two. It's go time. <laughs> Taking it up a notch. Oh, and when they start exploding all over the place, how tragic! How tragic! <laughs> <laughs> the the, well, the fake Cubans, Cubans can't get it Dominicans. done. Right, right. <laughs> Two, what's the biggest hit in 21st century Broncos history? Remember that standstill open field pile drive Nate Webster had on Fred Taylor? Yeah, that's one. I, I'm thinking of John Lynch on Dallas Clark. Mm. And I believe it was week 17 of the 2004 season. Broncos beat the Colts to clinch a playoff spot, and John Lynch, of course, got fined. And Lynch, I think, earlier that season had won, I believe it was on Dante Hall coming across the middle where he just trucked him. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. I mean, there have to be a lot that I'm kind of I'd say probably if we're talking about 21st century, if we went down and made a list of the top five hits, John Lynch has at least two, if not three of them. Yeah. Because he was kind of on the back end of when you're getting fine, but you could still kind of get away with that. Right. Right. I'd imagine Big Al Wilson had a few. Oh, the on it was a Tyrone Wheatley. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fourth down and one in the snow. Yeah. Oh. oh. 
Oh, Al Wilson. Oh, I loved him. Yeah, he was amazing. Why isn't he in the Ring of Fame already? Dude, I Come know. on. Come Talk on, about Broncos. someone who's been done dirty. Three. Well, considering the end of his career and everything yeah, that went on. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Exactly. Three. Have you ever seen a bear combing his hair? It oh. rhymes. <laughs> I, <laughs> I haven't. Four. Some call my mom and I crazy, but for all you leftover aficionados out there, scrapping pizza or pasta. Scraping. In, oh, scraping pizza or pasta into your scrambled eggs is magically delicious. Cheese and meat bits are mainstays in scrambled eggs anyways, people. That's true. Yeah, I mean, I guess. Uh, pizza sounds a little weird. Uh, pasta, I, yeah, I'm against both of that, but I'm, I grew up in Italy, so what do I know? You're a purist. And yeah, I, I, am, I am a purist. That's that right. On that subject. Five, remember the time when Bobby Boucher showed up at halftime and the Mud Dogs won the Bourbon Bowl? Do ya? Do ya? Last game of the season, Brent. Can't only think back now. <laughs> I mean, and Coach O was uh, in there, right? I feel like he's a character. Farmer friend. Yeah, exactly. Except I haven't seen Coach O uh, grab his nipples mm. on the sideline the way Farmer Fran did. Do you think when all these guys left early for college, he maybe grabbed his nipples just a little bit? Left for the pros after oh, man. not even a week of enjoying his championship and <laughs> half his team's leaving? Um Six, <laughs> what are best case, worst case scenarios for this Broncos offseason? Okay, best case scenario Yeah. that whether it comes in the form of, say, Javon Kinlaw or mm -hmm. uh, Eric Armstead, right. maybe Calais Campbell if mm -hmm. the Jaguars part ways with him. Chris Jones is the pie in the sky, and I don't think the Broncos well, will get him. But talk about best case scenario. Yeah, getting one of those guys on the defensive line to, to bolster that. Uh, at inside linebacker, we talked about a couple of guys that we're looking forward to seeing inside slash outside linebacker uh, in coverage. But uh, I would love to see Joe Schobert from the Browns. Yeah. And I think that's a legitimate possibility. Um, I, I'd mean, love to see Brandon Sheriff on this O-line. Yeah. He'd be Sheriff another high be target for me. And yeah. he would step in right away and start. And then yeah. I could see an interior of – Scherf, if the Broncos sign him, Dalton Reisner at left guard, and then Patrick Morris at center. Now, Interesting. I, I would like to, if that's the case, coming out of free agency, if they let Connor McGovern go and they're going to ride Patrick Morris, that's well and good. But then I would be on one of these chairs, metaphorically speaking, <laughs> calling for the Broncos to please, please draft Tyler Biotish or if you don't get him, I would be very much fine with Lloyd Cushenberry. Yeah, or just about anyone, because I don't have much trust in Patrick Morris. Okay, the worst-case scenario, Yeah, got to touch wood on this, because the worst-case scenario involves Drew Locke suffering some kind of off-season injury. Mm, mm. Yeah. So, touch wood that that doesn't Truly, happen. Truly, that is the worst-case scenario. Um, seven, what comes after 74? 75! <laughs> Broncos buck together, onion booty. It's like Perfect. I was saying at dinner, much yep. to Steve Atwater's chagrin. <laughs> yes, and by the yes. way, our dinner table did include Steve Atwater. Yep. It will include Steve Atwater tomorrow. It will include Steve Atwater on Wednesday. This is just part of the fun that we have. Yep. And he, he, he can't believe that this has become a thing. <laughs> you were telling him with, and with said, a big smile on your face. And, about and Ryan this. Edwards, and I always remind him, do you not understand the fact that you – we're a producer on a movie that actually got made 
is to us one of the coolest things possible. <laughs> it doesn't matter if the movie wasn't great. It doesn't matter if the movie didn't do well at the box office. Steve Atwater produced a movie. And then oh. Ryan and I make the joke, and I made it tonight, that if they ever interview us for the Steve Atwater, a football life special that someday I hope NFL Network will make, both Ryan and I will probably say, hey, did you know Steve Atwater made a movie? <laughs> and we'll start peeling back those layers. <laughs> We're going to oh, help boy. Steve make his money back from his investment in yeah. Dead Tone, a.k.a. <laughs> 75. 75. Tater Tot Tom. Hi, I'm going to Disneyland with my wife, three-year-old, and one-year-old for a few days this week. Oof. What is everyone's thoughts and opinion on Disneyland? Thanks. Oh. Oh I've gosh. never been to Disneyland. I've only done Disney World, being someone who used right. to live in Florida. Now, someday yeah, I've never I'm never sure, been to either. Someday I'm sure I'll get to Disneyland, but I can speak for the new attraction at Disneyland, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, because I went to the equivalent version in Florida at Disney World mm. not long after it opened, and it is fabulous. That does look really cool. I've seen I've seen those commercials. That there is just really something cool. visceral yeah. about walking up to a life-size replica of the Millennium Falcon when you've been watching Star Wars movies for decades and it makes your heart do cartwheels. I have a selfie of me in front of the Millennium Falcon. I'm like, oh my God, this is so cool. <laughs> You're never too old to say that, by the way, even though I've outed myself as middle-aged. I think young, I act young, and when I'm at a place like that, I feel young. Yeah, yeah, rightfully so. As a father of a two-year-old, so smack in the middle of your two youngsters, I would say reconsider this trip. Uh, This sounds like a lot to take on. Yeah. (laughs) Boy, traveling with the family like that can be a Now, what's interesting, like, because I have family in Florida, we can get kind of in-state discount rates so what we'll do is my mom and dad will buy the tickets and we'll reimburse them because they get basically like 30 percent off everything if they wait for the sales that go to to florida residents because they're always trying to encourage the easy traffic that doesn't have to fly in right right just come to the parks so we took charlotte our daughter at age four and I th- I'm glad we waited until then, yeah. Because she couldn't start, she couldn't go on everything. But there was enough she could get around. She wasn't, uh, you know, going to be complaining too much. And then we went back a few months ago during uh, the days after Thursday night football. And by then she was seven and just had an amazing time and was able to do a lot of rides. At age seven, she was able to do Space Mountain. Oh, that's cool. She just barely passed the height for it. And I thought she'd be scared out of her wits. She loved it. Really? Absolutely loved it. Huh. That's pretty cool. The only thing she didn't like was the Everest expedition. Oh. Yeah. She thought that was a little bit too scary. Uh, Everything else, but she did like all the she did Space Mountain, she did, you know, all the other roller coasters. She just had a blast. That's awesome. So yes. So yeah, I would actually kind of side with Dre here that maybe this is something you want to wait a year or two on. Yeah. To be in the wheelhouse. The, to really start being in the wheelhouse. Yeah. But you're going so... there's And right. there is you're stuff going, for so little enjoy kids. It, my man. For, for the th- your three-year-old will probably have more fun than the one-year-old. Yeah. The one-year-old, it might feel a little bit like a dragging an anvil around for the most part. Yep. But hey, you don't have to pay for that plane ticket, so that's, that's an advantage. That's true. Yeah. So. Loch Ness Monster. Hey, all... 
new subscriber after listening for the entirety of this last season. Awesome. Thank you. Really appreciate yeah. you coming aboard, man. Yeah. You're the first pod that actually gets me excited for the offseason, so that, in combination with Mace joining the team, convinced me to pony up and subscribe. Welcome to the fam. All right. Plus, get my awesome free T-shirt. I don't regret it, and I think you've got a subscriber for life. RK, it sucks that we can't make the Chiefs going to the Super Bowl jokes anymore, but, man, I hope San Francisco beats them, and we can still be the only AFC West team to claim a title recently. Last title claimed by the non-Broncos was when? When did the Raiders win it last? January 22nd, 1984. So it will be... Okay. <laughs> it's 36 years this week wow. since a team other than the Broncos from the AFC West won it all. Because, of course, Seattle, by the time it won it all, was an NFC West team. Right, right. So no question, but definitely wanted to say hi, introduce myself, and tell you three that you're awesome keep up the good work can't thank you enough always appreciate everyone who rides with us you know we've had we've picked up a lot of new subscribers here in the last few months and you guys make it possible for us to have the kind of robust coverage of denver sports that we're providing here at the dmvr.com so from the bottom of all of our hearts thank you we're very grateful for each and every one of you absolutely we wouldn't be in mobile doing this if it wasn't for uh Great subscribers true. like Loch Ness Monster and all these other great listeners. Coach Tobin asks, with the upcoming CBA, would it be possible to have a salary limit on what teams pay quarterbacks? Make it the max and go from there and make it equal for teams that feel like they got their dude. Possible, but don't expect yeah. it because there are a lot of small to medium market owners who like the hard cap. And feel like it is what keeps them competitive. And so if you start getting into uh, limiting certain positions, uh, I mean, it sort of circumvents it. I don't think you'll see the salary cap go away. And I don't think you're going to see the players union sign off on a limit at any position. Yeah. So no, I, totally. think it's just, I think it's just one of those things that you're going to have to live with. Yeah, I think and quarterback salaries will keep skyrocketing and the guaranteed money is just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And while I think there would be some merit to creating a quarterback exception, NBA mm -hmm. style, yeah, you know, you have the mid-level exemption, right, you know, right. all that sort of thing, I, I admit I don't understand it. That's why we have I know Adam every, and Brendan and Harrison that can take you through all aspects <laughs> right. of the NBA salary cap because – it's a lot more complicated than the NFL. Well, one. that's kind of the turnoff is I right. almost feel like I need an accounting degree to follow um, the NBA offseason sometimes and how everything works in the cap. And don't think that NFL owners are not aware of how their cap is much easier for people to keep track of than the NBA's capology. Yeah. So I don't expect that to happen. I believe that's our last question. Well, we got one uh, from Love Thunder Down Under, and he closes by asking the DNVR community a question. It says, yo, DNVR oh, community, yep. anyone work in banking and finance or fintech in Denver? I have questions if you have a willingness to be bludgeoned with my incessant inquisitiveness. So there you go. Love Thunder Down <laughs> Under. For anyone who's involved in, in banking or finance, that sort of thing, reach out to him. We love bringing our community together to, to help each other out. That's one of the things that makes... Are, I think what we're doing here at the DMVR.com really special is building a community that helps each other. So, yeah. So, if you've got any way to help out Love Thunder Down Under, please do. As you know, he's one of, 
he's he's one of our loyal listeners, just as you are, and so appreciate anything. Dre, it's so late. It's early as yep. we wrap this up. <laughs> Got a big day coming up here on day two of the Senior Bowl. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's going to be media day, weigh-in day, and two practices, Oof. and we'll be all over that. We'll have plenty coming in terms of content on the DMVR.com, and of course, we'll be, we'll, we will be back here Wednesday to tell you Who's up, who's down from day one of practice. But before we go, got to talk about Green Mountain Dental. As you guys may or may not know, taking care of your teeth is pretty important. Our friends at Green Mountain Dental Group are giving away a free Sonicare when you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam. That's right. You simply have to take care of your teeth for Green Mountain Dental Group to hand over a free Sonicare. Check them out today online or call 303-988-0711 to schedule your appointment today. Dre, pleasure, man. Same here. For Andre Simone, I'm Andrew Mason. Thanks for joining us here on the DNVR Broncos podcast, Rogue Show Edition from the 2020 Senior Bowl here in Alabama. We'll talk to you on Wednesday. Take care. Thanks for listening. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com.